Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kisson. And this is a show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant guest today, I'm delighted to say, is a retired police inspector of 30 years. Chris Donaldson, welcome to Trigonometry. Thank you very much for having me. Listen, man, it's so great to have you on the show. We're so excited to Mm -hmm. talk to you. There's been so much happening this year to talk about. But for anyone who doesn't know who you are, just give us a rundown of what has been the journey that you've had through life. You joined the police at 18, right, and and all the way through to now. Just tell everybody, who are you? How are you here? What's been your journey? Okay, yeah, so I I, um, was born in Islington, um, grew up in Leighton to um, Jamaican parents. Uh, got uh, uh, two brothers and a sister. Um, very normal background. My mum's a nurse, was a nurse, and my dad worked at Ford's. Nothing extraordinary. Um, uh, at the age of 18, I, I was in the sixth form. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, a guy down my uh, rugby club, Paul Farrell, he, he um, suggested that I should consider the police. So I'd never thought about it before. I didn't grow up with any aspirations to be a police officer, never before uh, that conversation. And uh, it it actually ticked all the boxes. What I'd like a lot of times in my life, I decided what I didn't want to do before I decided what I wanted to do. Mm. And what I didn't want to do was sit in an office. um, And I wanted to do something that was uh, exciting or, or, or certainly challenging. And, and it, when I looked at it in more detail, I thought, yeah, why not? Have a go. Uh, and that was basically it. I'd, I'd, I looked at the forms. I, I spoke to Paul. Um, and I thought, yeah. Well, at the time, there was a big push uh, for, in, in recruitment. And I thought, yeah, why not? I'll, I'll have a go. Yeah. I didn't think I would get that far, if I'm honest. But um, I put the application form and um, I'm old. I, I, uh, I got... Um, through the application system, and at, at, at that point, what they do is uh, send the local officer or local sergeant around to your house to check that your house or your family is suitable um, to have a police officer. <laughs> One lived there, and, and, and if it's a good family background, they've already done the checks. Um, I didn't tell my parents that I'd, uh, I was, I'd been accepted. I didn't want to have that conversation because I'd already made my mind up. Um, uh, so my, when, when the sergeant knocked at my door, um, it, my, my, my dad was very shocked and surprised. He thought I'd been arrested. Uh, because, because I was the one in the family that's most likely to be arrested. Because um, uh, that, was, that, was, that was me. Um, so he was very pleasantly surprised that uh, I, I was, um, I'd applied for the police. Mm. Um, the, 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 guy, the guy came in, the sergeant came in, uh, my mum ushered him into the front room with the plastic seats and we would never have been allowed to go into. Um, <laughs> she got the bone china that we didn't even know existed. <laughs> we had uh, a picture of the Queen on one side and a picture of Jesus Christ on the other. <laughs> the sergeant looked around and thought, what a wonderful family, this yeah. is it. And yeah. uh, my mum went into this Jamaican English that she does when she's talking on the phone. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, I was in. Uh, he, he was in, super impressed and... Um, next thing I know, I was in uh, China school. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but you've had quite a remarkable career yeah. then on because you did lots of different things. Yes. Uh, not not least, you were a firearms officer, yes. you said, for eight and a half years. Is yes, that right? yeah. yeah. That was quite a bit, bit before then. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I was a pro, um, probationer in, in Covent Garden, Bow Street, mm. Covent mm. Garden. I uh, spent three years there. I then went on to uh, the Territorial Support Group um, in 87, which is uh, primary, their role is uh, riot control. Uh, and crime, you know, high crime areas. I sent them into high crime areas. Um, I did four and a half years on that, and then I went to Tottenham as a as a police constable. I spent some time on a Broadwood Farm team, or as a as a um, home beat officer, basically. Uh, got a lot of experience there, um, and then I got promoted, and I went to Hackney, which is a bouldering. Um, spent three and a half years there. And then I went to the firearms team uh, mm. for eight and a half years. Yeah, I was a sergeant and inspector in the firearms team. Uh, and you mentioned the riot part of it. Mm. We've obviously had a lot of protests going on yeah. this year for different things. Yes. And this is where we came across you because mm. what we try and do on this show is yeah. talk to people who have a slightly different take yeah. to a lot of other people mm-hmm. in terms of the mainstream narrative okay. and stuff. And during the protests and BLM and, and yes. stuff like that, you were talking about how you'd been in the Met for 30 yeah. years, you'd had a great career, mm. and a lot of people were saying the police in this country are racist, yeah. and you didn't agree with that. No, I don't. Uh, how come? 
Well, because uh, my, well, first of all, my experience. Yeah. Right. So my experience over the 30 years spanning and still my experience now dealing and mentoring police officers is that the general, uh, the vast majority of police officers are very good, uh, um, good, well-meaning people. You know, they, yes, like society, it has a minority who are of, of racist, racist opinions and racist actions. But you really, in this day and age, you really got to be a committed and inge- ingenious racist to survive. <laughs> no, re- no, really, you really have to, because once of all, you've got your cars, the cars are taped uh, and recording, mm. yeah? You go into a station, they've got cameras and recording. You've got body-worn camera. Every time you stop and arrest someone, it's filmed and recorded. Now, to be a racist in that environment with all the canteen, with every, every supervisor and manager trained to detect that kind of behaviour and act on it, and some of them want to find that behaviour so that they can uh, evidence it, so that they can be promoted, you know, to have all that in place and then still be a, an active racist in the Met, you really have got to go, go some. You really have. Mm. It's not an environment that sustains uh, uh, an overt racist. It really isn't. And I can say that I've been there. Yeah, and obviously some pe- there are bad experiences. People have them. And I'm not saying it's not, not racist, not like the NHS hasn't got racist or, mm. or, 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 you know, media hasn't got racist. Of course they have. It's a, it's a He's se- looking at us. It's not us, it's not Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, the way you treated me since I've been there, you know. But no, and what I'm saying is, uh, in a, on, a, on a serious note, you really have got to be going some to survive in a Met Police today mm. and mm. be overtly racist. Mm. You really have. So why do people say that then? Why do they? Why do people say that the police are racist? I I, I think if you look at the figures, it, it, and they and, and if going back to the Lawrence inquiry, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. certainly the McPherson report. Yeah. Um. The, he he used this word um, uh, institutional racism, which has been used to batter the police ever since. Yeah. And people wrongly suggest that oh, it's the the the, the institution is racist. So all the people in it. Are racist, and, and that's not the fact. It's not the case. What they're saying is that the figures don't look good. You know, people are disproportionately saying people are disproportionately shot or or not promoted um, in in the correct um, you know ratios, whatever. It doesn't reflect the people that are actually in it. Now, you can have all kinds of explanations of why those figures do look bad, but I can tell you from a personal point of view as the individuals, I've not seen that. And, and I was managing teams, you know, on the ground, actually policing. A lot of people who do make comments in the, in the media about uh, their experiences in the police haven't really policed as much as I have. I've managed people. And if I had seen that kind of behaviour, I would have jumped on it and got them out. I, no, I would not have tolerated it. I'm not saying they didn't exist. Mm. But to... To put the both together, institutional racism and everyone's a racist in the police is, is wrong. It's incorrect, I think, in my opinion. Um, I've not seen evidence of, of mass racism. You, you get the impression that there are hordes of racists sitting in the canteen with hoods on, um, <laughs> right, waiting to go and uh, you know, victimise black people, and, and it's just not true, in my opinion. Do you think part of the problem is, like you said, you know, when people talk about institutional racism, mm. they'll they'll say, you know, you know, black people, especially young black men, yep. are more likely to be stopped and searched. Yes, and that causes real, real problems. It, right, so, going going into that, yes, they are more likely to be searched, and and, and they're also more likely to be stabbed to death. Mm. Yes, in, in certainly in 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 inner cities. Yeah, so yes. Unfortunately, when you're doing these operations to combat particularly knife crime murders, you have to go into those areas. And sometimes, for instance, if a robbery victim gives a, a description of, a, of the person that robbed them, it's, it's some, uh, quite often, in, particularly Tatney and Tottenham, that person, the assailant, is, is black uh, within a range, an age range and with a description. And because they're under stress, they do they, they, their descriptions aren't always accurate. I mean, you try it tomorrow. You know, someone runs up behind you, not stabs you, you don't have to go that far, but just to hit you and run away. And then you told me what that person looks like, under stress. So some quite often their, 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 their descriptions are varied, but quite, quite often also they say they're between 18 and 25. Not all robbery, mm. but I'm just saying. So when you're going into areas where you want to stop kids stop walking around with knives or, or driving around with knives, killing other kids, particularly black kids, you have to target that area. Now, 
in my experience of dealing with, with actual complaints uh, as an inspector, and I have dealt with in the professional standards, the complaint didn't come from, oh, he's they only stopped me because I was black. It was because they were rude to me or mm. that incivil, incivil. So um, quite often if you do, or you're a professional and when you stop someone, I got very few complaints and I stopped a lot of black people, probably more black people than I stopped white people because I worked Hackney and Tottenham. I, didn't, I got very few complaints, you know, because it was the way I dealt with it. And that's a, diffi- that's a difficult area because as a police officer, when you experience police officer, you start to build up uh, an instinct for people. Mm. So, I, as, for instance, you stop someone in a car. One of the first things you're done, you're taught as a, tra- as a trainee is stopping vehicles, while well, I was anyway in the 80s. And I always thought, well, this is a bit weird. Why am I down on the embankment stopping cars? And they re- the reason is because when you stop someone, you can stop, say, for instance, you can stop someone and say, right, so um, your wife is really ugly or your husband is really ugly. <laughs> They'll go, all right, fair enough. If you say you're not a very good driver and you've just gone through it, they want to fight you, yeah? They will not be... You can't tell people that they're bad drivers or they've, they've, they've done something wrong. Mm. That's one of the things. That, so you learn very quickly how to negotiate and talk uh, to people without it turning into a big fight. Mm. Um, and, and vehicle stops quite often are quite uh, confrontational or they lead into confrontation because people just don't want to be told um, that they are... They've transgressed or broke a law. They don't want to be told that. So, but also, when you come on to stopping people, you, you, if someone's got something to hide, quite often, quite often, not saying always, quite often they will get very aggressive mm. and they'll mm. start throwing, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of allocations, hoping that you'll run away. But as an experienced officer, you know, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Why is this person so avid? Why is they so aggressive? Now, you think to yourself, well, should I walk away now from this confrontation and they've, they get away with whatever they're, getting, they're trying to hide? Or do I persist? And that can go badly sometimes. But experienced officers know they quite often you must continue. Because if I stop a normal member of public, they're not, they're not happy about it. They're not happy about it because no one wants their liberty interrupted or their day interrupted by police officers. And it feels like an intrusion. I, I get that. I've been stopped myself, you know, a few times. And I can get that. But quite often, if it goes into a, a confrontation, you're really rude or you're really aggressive, that police officer starts to think, well, what have you got to hide? And they, they start pressing a little bit more. Because what have you got to hide? You, you might not be hiding if you're just a bit angry. You know, you're just not like the, the fact that your day's been spoiled. That's fine. I get that. But career criminals will throw those distractions at you and you have to... We try, you know, when you're in training... You, 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 you're trained to look for that kind of thing. So why are they trying to put you off the scent? Why, what are they doing? Why are they... Are you now going to walk away and say, well, you've won. Okay, fair enough. And they'll go away with whatever they've got. Sometimes they can. So that's a really difficult area of policing, stopping people. Really difficult area. And it's only experience, really, that makes you better at it. Um, I don't know anyone who looks at a car coming towards them and knows what that occupant the colour of that occupant until they're right up on you. Mm. What you see first is the lights out or they're on the wrong side of the road or their registration has come up as no insurance or that, that registration has been put up in a, in, a, in, a, in a thing. But you don't say, oh, oh, 50 yards down the road, there's a black guy dropping, driving that car, I'll, I'll stop it. Because you can't see them quite often. Um, so, yeah, stop and search is a really contentious uh, area of policing. But you become better at it the more experienced you are and you know how to gauge that person. It's a very difficult road. But in, in the minority of people, it is the minority of people you stop, are doing it for, are getting aggressive for a reason. They're throwing you off the scent for a reason. Uh, and, and you have to, as a police officer, a representative of the public, by the way, you think, do, are you doing that the public a favour by letting them walk away? Mm. Do you want to spice up your life? Yeah. Well, in that case, I have just the product for you. It's Screaming Chimp Chili Sauce made from fresh chilies. They're a British company based in Durham that create beautiful chili sauces that are vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and free of the 14 main allergens. They're for pussies. (laughs) Joking aside, they have a whole range of flavors all the way from mild to wild for real men. I'm a real man. 
They've got a range of unique and classic flavors. They've got pineapple, mango and papaya, chimpotle, <laughs> excellent pun, and original hot sauce. Go to ScreamingChimp.com. That's ScreamingChimp.com and spice up your winter. And Chris, what, what do you say to those people who say, I think it's only 3% is the st- stat that's often used, 3% of these stop and searches lead to an arrest. Mm. It's not an effective tactic and yeah. it just antagonises black mm. communities and other communities as well. Listen, I, uh, 3%, yeah. I, I listen to people in, in, in the public domain talking about it and quite often they have no idea or, or, or even the people who are ex-police officers who, who, who didn't use the tactic quite often. Because a police officer, an active police officer, an operational police officer knows it's not about, or, or it's not always about finding a gun or mm. finding a big bag of drugs. It's sometimes disrupting that gang, or not that everyone who you stop is a gang member, because they're not, but disrupting that person's movement of uh, carriage weapons. So they're not confident in walking around. Because quite often, if you're working in an area and you know the people, you see, you're stopping known gang members and known criminals, yeah? And in the, in the old days, you'd, you wouldn't just, you wouldn't search them, you wouldn't have to search them, you just know what they were in, where they are, that day, that part of their day. It's not all about finding loot. Yes, Stop and search is different. You have to have reasonable grounds. That's a little bit different. But stop and talk, yeah, is something else, yeah? Because when you've got the known gang members walking around confidently with weapons, they're not always going to stab someone, but they may do when they come into a confrontation. Your job is to stop them doing being confident walking around with those, those weapons. Um, and that's difficult because innocent people get stopped and innocent people get caught up in that, that, that war, you know, so to speak. Rather like going onto an airplane. Most people are not bringing anything onto the airplane. One of the reasons they're not taking their, their, their personal use drugs or, or their gun or whatever is because they're going to get searched, mm-hmm. yeah? They're going to get searched. I don't mind getting searched going onto a plane because I know that the guy next to me or the woman next to me hasn't got Semtex in her bag, yeah? Because I, I feel safer. It's not all about the success rate of stop and search. It's what it's, the effect it has on the mind of those criminals, uh, so what you're really talking about is preventative policing. It is preventative in a lot of ways. And, but people wrongly look at that, th- that 3% and say, well, it's unsuccessful. Mm. It's, it's, it's obviously unsuccessful. Mm. It's not. We need to do something else. And what else? What is the option? If you say, for instance, I'm not going to stop anyone in Hackney, or, or, or more specifically, no black, pe- no black person is going to be stopped in Hackney for the next week. Yeah? The vast majority of people just go along their business, no problem. But there will be a hardened core of thinking, wow, this is great. I can now travel left, right and centre with my gun, my, my, my knife, my whatever, and I can go and do what I have to do. It's really difficult. There's no straight, straight answer, to it, but it is one of the tools that has to be used, unfortunately, particularly in high crime areas where there are murders and stabbings. You know, I think 14 out of the 15 stabbings uh, of the kids who were killed this year were, were murdered by stabbing. You know, and, and quite often they were gang members, not always. Sometimes they were just people in the wrong place. But all the time there were people walking around with them, you know, yeah. with knives, mm. quite confidently walking around with knives. So I've been shocked with some of the weapons that I've found on people. Shocked. So, yes, vast majority of people are innocent. vast majority of people have got no weapons or nothing. And, and, and you have to pat them down and say, really sorry. Uh, that you've been inconvenienced and that your day has been spoiled. But unfortunately, the reason I'm doing this is because the crime in this area has gone up and stabbings and we are trying to combat it. Which, which brings me on to the other point that people often make about yeah. stop and search, which is, OK, look, I hear you, Chris. You're an experienced police mm. officer. I understand we need to do preventive policing. Yes. But why do black and brown people get stopped a lot more than white people? I can't give that answer because uh, I just think... In, in the particular areas like Hackney and Tottenham and, and Peckham and Brixton in particular, uh, where, where victims of crime say, uh, are, are, um, are pointing out that the, the, the people that they robbed them are, are black or Asian, or particularly the victims of murders and stabbings are the, the people who, di- who perpetrated that crime are black, you have to go after those particular areas. And unfortunately, when you put a TSG that I was a member of um, into an area of high crime they're going to have to stop people who fit that, that bill. And, and sadly, and it is sad, 
that those high crime areas quite often involve um, immigrants or black people. And, and it is sad because there's so many good, most people are just going on. They don't, I, I've got two boys and they're black kids. Yeah, obviously. Um, and one of them got stopped, uh, got um, robbed at knife point, broad daylight. Yeah. And I just wanted that guy arrested. He was arrested. He was put there and he was, and he was punished. But he was quite confidently walking around, him and his mates in, in North London with, with knives. And if someone had said, you know, the police were out in that area, that w- you know, before stopping lots of people um, for, for knives, to prevent this kind of thing, I would have been quite happy with it. I don't want my kids stabbed. And, and the black community has got as much, um, uh, you know, of uh, interest in not getting their kids hurt, you know, in these areas. So, yes, they, they, it's in their interest, or in, in the black community's interest, to support the police, I would say, and, and certainly help the police so that their kids aren't murdered and, and stabbed and robbed. Uh, because quite often, they are victims of crime, disproportionately victims of crime. Mm. Not, not a lot of people like that stat, mm. you know, that they are disproportionately victims of crime. So, just to clarify, basically what you're saying is you're targeting those communities because that's where... There's no, more victims. They don't target. They only target communities or yeah, so areas. I, I didn't yes, mean that. Areas. You know what I mean. Yes, areas where there are high crimes. You're going into places yes. where a lot of crime is yes. being committed. And if, and that's right. And if if the if there's a kid being stabbed and he happens to and the assailant happens to be black, unfortunately, yeah. You know, it, it, this is the this is the sad thing. They're letting the community their community down. I, I, I black community, and I feel desperately sad for. I, I've dealt with. Kids that are dying. I've had I've had a child in my arms dying. You know, I've had I've gone to the house to tell parents that their kids been killed. Mm. I've been to I've knocked on a door on, on in Tottenham at the same time uh, as uh, as that that person that that child was going to turn up for dinner. You know, at the same and mother looked straight at me and fainted. Yeah, because she knew exactly what I was going to say. The daughter. Just you know, skipped away. Says we thought it was her brother, and he'd been. And I was. I had to go in. When you're there telling those parents, you know, that their child has died or has been murdered, it's awful. And they're the people, like Damiola Taylor's mm. uh, father. He he he's, he he says there should be more stop and search. There should be more stop and search, but in a more he, as he says, humane way. Uh, yeah, that goes down to training of the individual, maybe supervising each stop if you can. There's the supervisors, but it's not retracting it. It's not because that small percentage who do commit crime will love it. They will love it. And they're the only people who are benefiting them, by the way. You know, if you stop, stop and search or reduce stop and search, the only people who are going to benefit are those criminals, that small percentage who are just rubbing their hands, saying, now I can walk, I can go from one street to another with a gun and a knife without getting stopped. Or if I do, I'll just kick off. You know, so that's, that's and that's a sad side effects of, of crime in, the, in, in London, some, in a lot of crime. So, say, for instance, burglaries. You go home, you find your house burgled. No one knows what that person looks like, generally. You, sometimes some, a neighbour will say, oh, I did see someone climb out the window or whatever. Or, or, or car theft. No one actually sees this saying. Quite often, robbery, if someone is up against you, you know, they'll give a... a say. And sadly, in, in, in like Tottenham and Hackney, a lot of the, a lot of the assailants are, are black sad fact so innocent people get caught up in that crime or or the the police operation and it's sad it's sad but often like i say quite often nothing comes of that is because the way it's dealt with the stop how that stops dealt with Mm. and like i say you have to you have to weigh up against why is this person getting aggressive with me now where do you go do you you go down and walk away or do you have to deal with this? And, and it looks really bad. I know I've been in those situations mm. when someone's shouting and screaming at you and the people now have got their phones out and you're, yeah. you're there, you've got your body cam on you. Am I going to press this? Is he really, is this person trying to throw me off the scent? Oh, you know what, I'll walk away. Because that's what members of the public always want you to do. Leave them alone. They have no idea what they've done or what they're concealing, but they want you to leave them alone. So quite often people do. So I guess the question that I want to ask, Chris, is we've been talking about stop and search, about the divisions that it causes, and, and, you know, that's perfectly logical. So how do we heal this rift between these communities and the police and the Metropolitan Police in particular? 
Okay. Uh, I think we have to uh, actually put into context the rift, mm-hmm. for instance. Now, the rift is gauged by what? I don't know. Survey, customer survey, the, the satisfaction surveys, maybe. Yeah, black people aren't as much confidence in the in the police. Yes, okay, we'll get that. But I, I know a lot of black people who who have no problem with the police. Yeah, but I see the people who are so called representative of the black community up there all the time talking about the rift with the police. Well, I don't think it's as big as people think. Yeah, there's, there's many 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 black parents who don't want their kids. Um, stopped, yes, but they certainly don't want them stabbed to death, yeah, and they do, and they know that the police are the only people who are going to be able to stop that. Really, well, one of the most the most effective people to stop that. Yes, you have social workers and everyone else and doing their part, but the most effective way still is the police. So I don't hear that that rift as much as the so-called community leaders and I could say irresponsible MPs keep muting all the time, constantly. You'd think every black person hates the police if you watch social media. And I don't think it's true. Yes, there's a, 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 there's a suspicion between the blacks, black people and the police, like there was in the 80s when I joined. I totally ignored it, to be honest. I didn't ask. I didn't care about what people were going to think about me being in the police. I didn't, mm. didn't, didn't even consider it, if I'm honest. And I didn't consider it when I was in, because the vast majority of people who were racist towards me were black people. Yeah. How do you mean? They were calling me Judas and the traitor, people trying to set fire to me at Notting Hill Carnival. Set had, fire to yeah, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had a, an MP who's still in Parliament at the moment who called me a Judas and a traitor. Probably won't, I won't name her, but, yeah, she still sits there. And so I... Uh, so you, wait, you're a traitor to I'm a traitor to, black to people, what? I don't know. To black people for absolutely. being a police officer? Absolutely. Why is that? I, I have no idea. I still don't understand it, but that's a common name right. you're called, traitor and Judas. Wow. Yeah? Because us and them, I, it's like you know, I, it still it still mystifies me now, and it goes over my it, towards the end of my head. It just went over my head because it made no sense to me, and it's still said to a lot of people, "You're a traitor and a Judas," like, as if black people don't need to be their communities policed. Right? Mm. What, what? As if black people don't need their houses to be safe. As if black people don't need their kids to be safe. Of course they do. The police aren't the enemy. The the, the, the criminals are the enemy. You know, so the, the traitor bit makes no sense, mm. no sense at all, and it never has done. Yeah, and I think there are, for instance, now there's, there's Mr. Khan, the mayor, has said that he wants a increased uh, percentage of uh, black people in the police, in the Met Police, forty percent. Mm. Yet in the same breath, he calls them institutionally racist. Oh, what a great advert that is. Yeah? <laughs> so, yes, kids, join the Met Police. They're institutionally racist. Have a great time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What on earth is that about? <laughs> and it's a lie, yeah. first of all. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a total misrepresentation of the police. It's certainly not an advertising campaign. And it certainly won't increase the, the, the percentage. I just hope that they take as much notice of politicians as I did in those days. Mm. None. Mm. Yeah, listen to your own. Take things, take people as you find them. Yeah, and I and take people. Listen to the positive notes from the police because I can tell you I had a fulfilled, a, a, a very varied and and a rewarding career in the police. And I think it's a damn shame that young black kids are put off by listening to clowns in in the in public domain who well, know you, nothing about police. You talk about clowns in the public domain. Obviously, you're, you're sort of talking about politicians, and yeah, I think the media mainly. also have to mm. take some responsibility yeah, yeah. for who they choose to come on and talk oh, about Oh, absolutely. They, 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 they keep going, oh, it's terrible, the representation. Well, you keep telling people it's racist, and you know, that representation is going to go down. Mm. It's not going up. It's not going to be increased. So with that in mind, you talk about the rift being exaggerated. I, I think so. So what did you make of BLM uh, then? Not something I... Um, I, uh, I I thought it was sad because I, I was there, in, obviously, growing up in the 70s, in, mm. in, the, in the place in the 80s, when we had a lot of racial tensions and then we moved on and we got to where we were uh, this year. Yes, there's still issues. But we were miles, miles. We were doing really well. I mm. think, you know, you only look at a rave scene, a multicoloured rave scene. You go to every festival, mm. multicoloured, you know, the theatres. People were doing, were mixing well, you know. And then all of a sudden, 
we're now going to answer for the crimes of America, you know, an American place and, and, the, and the segregation and all the issues that they've got. It's not the same. It's not the same place. You know, what happened to Floyd was disgusting. The man wasn't a police officer, he was a criminal. You know, he was criminal dressed as a police officer and he deserves everything he gets. But that didn't represent all the police officers. And it certainly didn't represent British police officers. But it's certainly, it almost as if they, their anger was transferred here and, and wanted to relive that, 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 that wedge between. They, they wanted to, you know, reenact it in, 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 in effect. You know, and I thought that was sad. Um, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> you know, the, the, actual, the actual, you know, the, the label is, is kind of um, provocative in a way. And it, and it, and it, and it puts a wedge into people who never, it didn't really exist. I know people are angry about that. And they weren't, they're definitely not racist. They just feel, well, hold on a minute. Yes, of course Black Lives Matter and every life matters. I know what they were trying to do. Highlights the injustices. But the main injustices were in America. Yes, there were, things, there were issues here. But to, 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 to try and um, to pretend that we had the same issues as America it was wrong. I just think it was wrong. I didn't agree with it. And there was a slogan being, that was bandied around mm. that we heard a lot, which was mm. obviously defund the police. Yeah. Can you explain to people, because I think this is really important, why that is a stupid idea? Well, it's a stupid idea because what, what's your alternative? What is the alternative? Okay, we defund the police. We stop giving them money. I mean, and let's face it. The, f- the police have effectively been defunded anyway mm. since the since um, you know the the first first financial crisis. Mm. You know they're, they're, they're really struggling anyway. You know the, I know the, the I know the pains that the senior officers, particularly Cresta Dick, goes through to get money from from uh, from the mayor and and government. They're really stretched anyway. So are you going to defund them now? So okay, what is your what is your alternative? No one's ever given an alternative. Well, what they say, Chris, some of them anyway, is uh, what we mean when we say defund the police is uh, more social workers. We'll deal yeah. with the causes of crime. Okay. We'll we'll give people mental health support. We'll mm. make sure that you know that the kids who may be growing up in a difficult environment mm. get the right encourage. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So I think some of these people think that if you did that, you'd have no crime. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so you, yes, your money goes to social workers and people dealing with the fallout of crime because there'll be a lot more crime. Yeah, that's for sure. So, yes, they're all part of the team. I had this conversation the other day um, on the radio and all part of the team, really. Not much you like it. The social workers, um, the youth workers, the, the police officers, it's all part of the team. You take one out, one element out, it doesn't work. You know, and people say, oh, it isn't working now. But I, you know, it's literally the finger in the dam. You know, you take that one element out and you'll see uh, an outbreak. I, I, I'm pretty confident that in this country it's not even being seriously considered. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, in America, in some mm. of the places yeah. where they have defunded yeah. a lot of the police, yeah. they've seen crime rise by yeah, hundreds of absolutely. percent. It, you have to remember, it's not the normal person is going to benefit. We, we, me and you aren't going to go, well, maybe not, but I don't know your neighbours, but you're not going to go and kill your neighbour if you can get away with it tomorrow. No. Yeah? But some people will. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If, you, if, they've, if, they're less, if they've got more chance of getting away with it, they will, they will take advantage of that, that definitely. So the police deter crime is what you're saying? Absolutely, of course they do. Or, or not just police, the criminal justice system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah? Which is part of the same thing. Yeah. If, if, when you think about it, what, what stops you from committing crime? You know, the fact that you might get caught is right up there. You know, and then you may be punished is another one that's right up there. Yeah. If, if that was taken away, the normal, you know, church upbringing that a lot of us have had, you know, you know, the Ten Commandments somewhere back in the head or whatever religion that you've got that stops you, that, tri- that makes you treat people nicely, might not be there. You know, people might think... You know what? A lot of police officers say... And I don't agree with this because my, my mother and my family live in London. Mm. One week, let's stop. Just stop mm. and see the fallout. That's reckless, obviously. Yeah. Because we know what the fallout will be. Yeah. You can see their point, though, can't you? Yes, absolutely. You will throw their hands up and say, you know what? I know police officers say, right, don't stop any black person in London for a week. Yeah. And, and, and say, or oh, just don't stop anyone right. in London, mm. not just black people, mm. uh, and, and see what the effect is. But we know what the effects will be. It's not, and it's reckless for the innocent people that will be affected. Uh, just to prove a point to a few individuals, you know, 
So, so what would you say to these people who, you know, say, you know, defund the police, mm. who spread this message, who say, like Sadiq Khan, institutionally racist? What would you say to these people? Well, I wouldn't say anything to Sadiq Khan, but uh, <laughs> to, the, to the others, I'd <laughs> say that you're misguided uh, and, and slightly naive. Yeah. Yeah. Constantine, how do you like your things printed? Big like my ego. And that's why you should use Print It Big 3D. What they actually do is help you print tabletop gaming pieces, short run manufacturing parts, and even statues from your favorite movies and TV shows. So you can get Ned Stark without his head on. They also make cosplay costumes, car parts, and weapons, but not real ones, obviously. And the wonderful people that they are, they also make free prosthetics for kids. What virtue signalers. On top of that, they also do individual pieces, prototypes, and short-run manufactured parts. Do you know what any of that means? Not a clue. Printed Big 3D are offering our fans a massive discount. You get 20% off with our code, which is, of course, TriggerPod. All you need to do is go to the website, www.printitbig3d.com. That's www.printitbig3d. I'm going to get Francis a new weapon. I like weapons. <laughs> and and do you think that do you think it's naivety because the reality is they don't know what it's like to they be don't. police. And and quite often some of the police officers who are in the public eye don't know what it's like either. They spend mm. too much time in strategy meetings and uh, and and meetings doing this. You you know very quickly if they've actually spent time on the beat mm. or actually doing police work because they know the actual real reality of it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you need... They, it, we used to do it. We used to do ride-alongs. We used to get a local mm. MP. We, in fact, firearms. <laughs> I remember back at Gravesend when we had a, what we called a gallery range and it's basically you put in a room and a, and, a, and a scenario unfolds in front of you and you're given a gun. You don't really particularly need uh, training but you're given a gun and you have to make a decision. And, and firearms officers have to make split-second decisions, right. you know, and it could be... And that split-second decision could be pulled apart for years, mm. yeah? So it's a very difficult... And, and considering that and how, many and how many armed crimes we have and how many, you know, incidents of police shooting a member of the public or, or, or anyone... In this day, it's amazing how little it happens. Yeah. But we used to put MPs in that scenario, particularly MPs that are critical or, or had, uh, who didn't understand the process. And, and after an hour or so, they'd come back with a different view. Yeah. They have a different view. We're going to put the darkness down now. We're going to have several people coming over. You're going to have someone behind you. These are all the things you're going to have to consider. You're going to shoot that person. You're going to shoot the person behind you. What's that? Is that? Are they giving up or are they shooting you? What are they doing? Are they shooting your mate? What are you going to do? You know, those, they, they, so, so the selection, particularly for police officers in those, those areas, are, is, is intense. And, 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 and those things are still pulled apart. It's very difficult. It, it, it's very difficult. The, the actual, um, the scenario of policing and actual policing is, is very, very difficult, particularly now when you've got body camera. And every decision, every word that you say is going to be pulled apart by, in the calmness of a court, by several different people, by the media. You'll have to your trial and media, first of all, and then maybe it goes to court. But already the, the, the public have made a decision or whoever has put that, edited that bit of film has made their decision. So it's very difficult. It's a very, very difficult job. But those ride-alongs are so important because I've seen a few videos of yes. that type where you have to make the split-second decision. It changes your view of it completely, it's, doesn't it's it? It's a very difficult scenario. You know, there are, there are a small minority of uh, police officers who are armed, still one of the few armed, unarmed police forces in the world, mm. you know. And, and we're talking about, you know, Europe as well. You know, we, we consider ourselves kind of European and, you know, or maybe closer to America. They're all armed. We're still walking around without arms yeah uh, and i don't know what what the answer is to that but uh, i think probably more well, officers who are armed is better well you yeah. you you were you were a firearms officer yeah. for a while this is what one of the things i wanted to talk to you about in terms of 
the public mm. complete lack of understanding of the job that you guys mm. do because we talked about this before we started about the London Bridge bomber. Yeah. And I remember on the day, mm. someone on Twitter going, mm. oh, why couldn't they just like, yeah. uh, you know, shoot him in the leg? Yeah, yeah. And, and you just go, do you have any idea what you're talking about? I blame just- American films for that. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I don't, I don't, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you the implication of that. Um, we, we introduced um, a laser kind of on a, on a taser, yeah? Um, and it was a red light. Even before that, we just had a red light and it was a taser. And we used to have people fall into the floor when the red light hit them. There was no gun right attached to it or anything, just a red light, and they'd hit the floor because they thought, well, they've seen the films, red light hits you, you're, you're going to be shot, that's it, hit the floor. Because American films tell people you can wing people as they're <laughs> running away when they've got a gun in their hand... You, you, you're, you're taught to hit, hit this between the, this, the torso because that will disable them. There's more likely to disable them, stop them doing. You're not sure, you don't shoot to kill, you shoot to stop them doing whatever they're doing. Right, this is really good, Chris. So mm. break it down for people who don't understand right. firearms, who don't understand okay. biology. Right. Why do you have to shoot someone here to disable right. them? Right, but that's the most, that's the most, that area has the vital organs in it. It's going to be the most likely to stop them doing what they're going to do or what they're about to do, shooting a weapon at you or someone else. Yeah? And why can't you just you shoot, shoot the gun in the out hand, of his hand? If you, well, exactly. Well, it's a moving target. It's very small. You're less likely to hit that target. Mm. Yeah, You've only got a brief few seconds or a microsecond to, to stop that person shooting you or shooting someone else. That body part is the, the, the area you're going to have most success. Yes? Right. Um, okay, so shooting on the leg, you can still... Uh, people have been shot in the leg, you can still... that Before that kicks in, and maybe you bleed to death, or you, you can still c- carry the weapon and shoot them. With, 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 uh, with uh, suicide bombers, um, you, you, you've got a very small... It's a very risky tactic, because they could have uh, a trigger that releases and sets off, or if they press and sets off. You don't know what that is. And, and ideally, you're not going to be anywhere near them. But if you're close up like the, the boys and girls on, on, the, on the bridge, they have dealt with someone who was presenting himself as a suicide bomber. Mm. And people thought, oh, well, it's very cruel what they did. Obviously, it's been the inquest has gone and that's decided it was a, a tactic that was, was suitable. But he already told them he was a suicide bomber. He wanted to die. And this is another issue, death by cop. When I, in those firearms, we had people who really wanted to die and they wanted you to take them with them and they would do everything to provoke you into that. Obviously, it, quite often you'd use non-lethal weapon, uh, a taser or, or a, a baton round or something to disable them and then so you can arrest them because you don't want to kill people. Mm. You don't go into the police to kill people, you know. So and, and, or, and, and so quite often you're presented, someone like a suicide bomber probably wants to die, yeah? Mm. And, they, and even though it turned out to be a fake vest, how do you know? No, you don't. How do you know that's a fake vest you're presented with? So, yeah, I think there was a minority of people who said, oh, well, it's very cool what they did. But when they actually realised the scenario, that there's a suicide bomber, when that guy, when you can see the farmers officer realise he's got a vest on and he shouts to his colleagues, stand back, you know, and he's got, he's got to take that shot. Uh, if it was a suicide bomber, all them people would be dead. You know, even the passers-by, everyone would have been dead. I mean, as we've seen in Israel and places there, the suicide bombers are used uh, often. You know, a lot of people can be taken out with that. They were very brave. Mm. And Chris, do, is there, I mean, this is a very broad question, but do you ever see the, the, the criminals who come in, who get arrested, is there ever a common theme with them? Like, you know, do, do they come from a certain background? Not really. Or... Not really. Uh, uh, no, not really. I would say I worked. I've worked um, Covent Garden. Uh, one of my first one was Covent Garden, Bow Street. Rich city kids, uh, pissed or yeah. coked up, um, um, to you know Tottenham with people of uh, uh, poor or poorer backgrounds. And there is no real common theme. I'm sure if you dig into it, you, you, you would find some kind of common theme. But I've seen criminals from the wide spectrum, uh, or you know, quite often. Um, fighting you or whatever, particularly the city boys when we were in uh, Covent Garden. You know, I, I remember two guys threw another uh, pub goer out the plate glass window and sat down and drank their pints after. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, we, we've, we've seen all kinds, but it comes from all kinds of backgrounds. I don't, I don't know if it's. I'm sure this. You know, people would uh, dig into it and find there's a there's a theme somewhere along the line, but I haven't seen it. 
And I don't know if you'd have any strong views in which, and if you don't, we don't really need to get into it. But what do you make, uh, because obviously a lot of the of the crime ha- is in relation to drugs, right? Yeah. Do you think our policy on drugs as a country is, is the right approach? Do you think we need to, to slacken the laws on that and let people, you know, smoke weed without being punished? Or do you think on, we need to make harsher laws? Like, what's your I take think, on that? I think they've watered down quite a bit over the years. I think yeah. we, we, you know, we, we used to arrest people for a small part, a small bit of uh, cannabis. Yeah. Uh, and, and they'd go through the system. Total waste of time, in my view. Yeah. Um, and now I thought you get a warning for for possession, a small possession of cannabis. Yeah. I think that the system is already, you know, uh, going down that way uh, to to um, you know lessen personal use. You're, you're very unlikely first time to be a prison sentence arrested. The criminal justice system has already adjusted itself, mm-hmm. and it's still adjusting itself. And it's not for the police officers to make that decision. No, no, of course, it's for the society as a whole to decide. Yeah, okay, people are... I don't think... They, they, the crime is often not caused... Like, yeah, they to feed their habit, sometimes heroin and, and maybe coke, but um, to, to find drugs in the system of someone who's committed crime is a bit misleading, I think, because, you know, people of all walks of life take drugs. Mm. So uh, I think this criminal justice system, certainly when I started in 83 to now, has already adjusted itself to the acceptance of a small amount of drugs, uh, a small use of uh, personal use of drugs. I guess what I'm getting at is, do you think uh, you might benefit as a police force from taking some of the resources that are targeted at dealing with people using drugs or whatever and and directing it more towards people that are, you know, committing violent crime or whatever? Well, yeah, it's, and it's difficult to gauge where we're to start there. You yeah. know, the, the, the big dealers or the person who's... Who's, who's who's using or or needs to 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 commit crime to feed that use? You don't know. It's very complex. Yeah, it's very it's very complex. Yes, definitely use the the money should be put into because it's a much wider spread issue than people like to admit. I think mm. in the in the world in in certainly in the country, you know, and, and 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 a lot of people just get on with it and their life and continue, don't they, without any effect? But there are a lot so, some people who do. Um, suffer badly and it affects their lives. But yes, absolutely. That, that's a common, it's a fact of life, drugs, and, and resources should be put into into helping people. I'm definitely for that. And, and one of the things that is connected with drugs is obviously the gangs, the gang that supply them, county lines. Do you think, in particular in London, the gang problem has got worse because you started in 83? Or is it main, maintained consistent, do you think? I think gangs have just changed. It's not gangs, you know, gangs... I. I <laughs> I, I was walking down, um, uh, as a probationer, you used to have to walk alone. You, so you do your first two years mainly walking alone. And I, I remember walking into Gerrard Street in Covent Garden and I got held from behind. Someone grabbed me from behind and held me. I remember how hard it was. It was real. F- and they chopped someone up right in front of me um, with an ice pick. Um, uh, anyway. It, Jesus Christ. Uh, it very, they, and then they ran off. Um, and I remember dealing with that, that, that individual and then, and then people come in and dealing with them and then we asked for, to, for uh, witnesses. No one saw a thing. There were people sat there and stood there with blood on them who didn't see a thing. And when we realised it was 14K in the Woosimwell um, triad gangs, in, who were, they had a vice-like grip on people. There were gangs then. There were, mm. there were vicious gangs then. And there were Vietnamese gangs. There were all kinds of gangs. Gangs have always existed. I mean, Gangs of London, the, the programme, it goes back to, you know, the, the gangs have always existed mm. in some form. The Teddy Boys, not so much gangs, they were a group of social, you know, whatever they like to call them. But there were, there's always been gangs, a group of people who have a common purpose to make more money for themselves, whatever, doing whatever. Criminality generally. You know, so no, I don't think it's a new thing, gangs. But it, but in context of like you know the particularly young young boys getting involved. So I used to be a teacher yeah. in Newham for twelve years, yeah, yeah. and I saw children Ooh. that I taught. I was a primary school teacher. I yeah. saw ten and eleven year old yep. boys getting involved yes, in it. Yeah. And also, I remember like a former pupil of mine who mm. came back to see me. Mm. And I was talking to him and I was saying, well, you know, you've been excelled from this one secondary mm. school, but you've got a chance of the going mm. to this new one. Yeah. How do you feel about that? He goes, I can't go there. And I went, why not? And he went, because they'll murder me. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, that, that seems to be more overt now. Mm. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, 
there are there is peer pressure, and quite often when you look at those gangs, because I've dealt with, I, I don't, I used to help out. Oh, in fact, I was a, a, a member of the committee at the boxing academy in in Hackney in Tottenham. Mm. We dealt with kids who've been pushed out of the, 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 the schooling system or can't be handled in the schooling system. And they were in gangs. And, it was, and if you push behind that, it was the family background that really... Uh, this was their family. The, 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 the gang was their family. Mm. Yeah? And they come from really sad, often sad backgrounds where the family union wasn't as strong. And co- that was a common theme between gangs. And maybe that's become more prevalent. I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the, the family unit has been maybe replaced in some people's eyes and lives by the gang. Uh, and that's dangerous and that's sad as well. But it's all about belonging, isn't it? If you don't belong to your family, who do you belong to? And if it, those group, that group of people make you feel loved in a way, um, then that's what you're going to be um, drawn towards. Yeah. You know, one of the things that a lot of our viewers have been just moving on now a mm. little bit, have been asking about is we've ob- we obviously had the BLM protest yeah. earlier in the year, which... Yeah. Uh, in which quite a few police officers were injured, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. And equally, it felt like it was quite laxly policed. You know, at least that was the perception mm. for many people. Mm. You, you sort of winced at that. And maybe- yeah, yeah. I, I just know how difficult it is to do those, yeah. the, those mm. demos. I've been in public But, you know, time. when you see these things on Twitter, like a police officer kneeling and all, it's not a good look. That was a mistake. Yeah. That was a mistake. I, I, I didn't agree with that. I think, and I'll tell you why I didn't agree with it. You don't get involved in politics straight away. Mm. First of all, that's one of the things you know. Don't get involved in politics. No matter how good that cause or be, how much you believe that cause, you're there to maintain peace, uh, the Queen's peace, as they say. But you're there to maintain their right to demonstrate and people's rights to go about their normal business. Don't get involved in whatever political... And I think that was a mistake. And I probably in hindsight, they wouldn't have done that because mm. it actually provoked more violence in the end. Yeah. But I go back to emphasise that point where I stood outside in 1984, 1985, stood outside the South African embassy in Trafalgar Square and people going, how can you defend the South African embassy when in the height of apartheid, it used to give me awful hell standing out there, you know, all all from, you know, they were all so-called people who who abhorred racism, but they selected me for my race, (laughs) yeah? So they would go on about me. So I wasn't defending. I had no problem even then. I'm defending the right to, for the, these people to, to demonstrate and people to go back and all the and people to go. It's for the governments to decide whether the South African embassy should be. And in the end, it obviously collapsed the apartheid, which obviously I'd heard. But if I took, if you turned up to your parade with 44 people and said, right, okay, do you believe in this course? Anyone like, willing to police this one? Uh, no, do you know what? I, I think you've got to, I'd rather take a day after. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, know, do you know what I mean? You know, to be fair, Sri Lanka should be independent in that way. Uh, or, you know, uh, you, you, could, you wouldn't have that. You, you'd get nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Your job is to maintain peace. Right. And people say, oh, well, you know, you, you're just, you, you, you know, you'd sign off the, for the devil. You'd, you know, it's not your job to... to, to take sides or decide whether they... I've been on far-right marches, I've been on far-left marches, I've been on all kinds of marches. And quite often, for my, to make my day go, I'd always speak to them, no matter what, even if they hated me. Mm. Yeah, I'd speak to them, I'd ask them what their cause was, because it makes it a much easier day. Mm. Um, a much more interesting day. But don't get involved in whether they should be there or not, or whether you want to stop them being there. And the perception, obviously, from that... That is one. We were in lockdown, and two, how did it be? How, how was it let develop? Now, I'm pretty sure the people who made that decision made it with a heavy heart, or, or they would rather have no one been there because that was the law. Actually, you know, we weren't allowed to gather in, right. and that started before BLM. Though it started with a remem- remembrance service, which is a good cause. Yeah, but people started gathering in large groups in public against the law. Yeah, hmm. yes, it was a good cause, but. People are saying, oh, hold on a minute, you can do that. And as we've seen in public officials, people take a lead, don't they? Oh, if they can get away with that, I'm going to do it. Mm. And then it kind of has a knock-on effect. But as far as the back line, I don't think it was softly, softly. It did look like in sometimes it was softly, mm. softly. But I'm sure the PCs or the, the, the senior management, public order management on the ground didn't mean it to, to look like that way at all. I, I guess what I... And I take your point completely. Mm completely accept that what i'm talking about is we saw the way that was policed yes. what however you yep. would describe that we, we did see a bit of the kneeling and yep. which you yep. don't agree with mm-hmm. but equally we've just had protests a few weeks mm-hmm. ago with which is people protesting against lockdown yeah and 
I, I wasn't there. I don't know if you were. I wasn't. None of us were there. But it suddenly looked like a very different approach from yeah. the police. Well, the, the approach in lockdown has developed, hasn't it? Yeah. Throughout. You know, the, what we did in the start, what we do now is totally different. Um, we've seen the effects of letting people break the law openly and how that has an effect, a knock-on effect. And maybe they've decided now that this is not... This is not something you need uh, needs to be broadcast. People standing by letting people break the law, which is you know, no matter how good a cause it is, yeah, or was, or what they think it is. Um, so maybe the senior officers, I don't know what in their mind, have decided. Well, maybe you know, we need to show the public that breaking the law isn't acceptable, even if you think it's a good cause. So, so you think it's more like they've evolved? I think since. it's evolved. I think it's graduated. Their, their their response has graduated throughout the time. Obviously, people have other ideas and say, oh well. It, it was the white people were just obviously policed uh, a lot more harshly than black people. That's what the public. Well, without even making it racial, it's just people like there was have, a double standard there. That, yeah. that it certainly appeared that yes. way, didn't it? it, 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 it you have du- it's not double standard. You have to take the intelligence, uh, the dynamics, the the environment, all these things into place when you police a demonstration. Mm. You know. I've been on some very pleasant demonstrations. I've been on the one that was huge with Sri Lankan, the Sri Lankan demonstration when they took uh, over the whole of Parliament Square. Uh, and they, unbelievable. They just, uh, they just came from nowhere and all of a sudden on a whistle moment, they would just, but they gave us nice food. It was great. <laughs> you know? So it was, it was very peaceful. Yeah. And, and, and I've also been on... No, you should have been in police. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I've fed. also been on a... Uh, a I remember the anti-capitalist march when we first used Kesselin. Outside the Bank of England, and I remember the the the, the amu- for me it wasn't amusing because there was some. So I think Tomlinson was was killed, not on that particular day, but for me that the first day before that happened, the amusing thing was how the chief at the end of six seven hours said, "Right, I declare this this gathering to be finished," and everyone went home. But there was supposed to be anarchists, so I don't know how that. <laughs> happened. So uh, it, it was you place each individual. Um, uh, public gathering or demonstration with the intelligence that you got and the resources you got and the environment they're in. Mm. It all takes the factors and how you police that, that individual. It may look softly, softly one way, but it may be that they've got other different intelligence. And Chris, there was something that I particularly wanted to talk to you about, and this was an incident that happened a year and a half ago. My parents were burgled. My, and my, they, they actually interrupted the burglary. Mm. The people fled. My parents are in their 70s. They're very old, very frail. And then they called up the police. And then within one hour, the case was closed. They were given a crime reference number. And they went, nothing more can be done. Mm. Just to be clear, this is not just about his parents. No, no, no. I want you to (laughs) sort them out. out. I've had the same thing, car broken into. I know, I've had We we get a lot of our viewers saying things like that. Yes, yes. Well, it's priorities. You have to prioritise your resources. And the resources, the police resources are limited. Mm. Yeah? So, for instance, you know, that I don't know the specifics yeah, about of course, particular of course. crime. Um, and that must have been horrifying. I, I know I know um, how the effect it has on, on, on particularly elderly people, it's, and it's terrible. And when we were driven for figures, when we actually used to go to every scene of the burglary and sit with people, we used to be... Have to resp- we used to be required to do it within a certain time, and mm. that wasn't possible because mm. impact on di- victims are different. And sometimes you have to spend time with them, you have to have a cup of tea with them, you've got to get the, the scenes of crime officer, you've got to get the, the, the builder to go and do their windows. Sometimes you have to be there for hours. But that, the, the, the demand on your resources uh, doesn't allow you to do that. And they've, dis- you know, in some cases, they've decided that you know, uh, uh, a burglary where the, the suspect is no longer there. Mm. Has to be reported reported over the phone, uh, and um, and sadly, it means sometimes that a, a officer doesn't attend that scene, and it, it sounds like that's what happened. In Do you agree case. with that? Oh God, no! Obviously, I don't agree with it. I'd like to everyone to get a bespoke. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course I would. I would. It's frustrating as a manager of a, a relief. Uh, that I had, you know, that you can't go to these things. Police officers want want to deal with victims. Mm. That's the most. I say this most effective way is no one's screaming and shouting. You actually have a real effect. You know, you you know you're doing good Mm. when you sit. They'd love to sit with every victim of crime Mm. and and have a cup of tea and make sure they're all right and get them the the appropriate support. And they'd love to do that. And uh, you know, it's just frustrating for most police officers that you can't. How badly underfunded is the police service? Very badly underfunded. It's been run down. 
It's been run down since the austerity, austerity drive, you know. Uh, uh, and, and it's come to a point where you, you, you can't have all these expectations on the police and not fund them, you know. And some of the people who are most loudest about we need this, we need, are the ones that are cutting your legs. You know, almost like, you know, Douglas Howe said, you know, you're breaking the captain's, the batsman's bat before you go out. You know, you're actually expecting them to get 100 and you've broken their bat. You know, so no, it, it's very frustrating. And they have been run down to dangerous levels. Do you think we've been lied to about that in the sense that that people, I think some people are trying to claim that you can defund, not defund the police, but you can reduce funding, cut number of frontline officers, and yet crime's going to be fine. No. Is, is that how it works? No, no, it doesn't work like that at all, from your experience. If, <laughs> if there was enough resources, a police officer would have spent time with your parents, you know, made sure that it was, it was okay, and that would have had a, a positive effect on you and your family. Mm. Uh, that's one direct result of defunding, you know? So you're going to have more instances like that. Um, they, you, you've only got a certain amount of people to deal with a lot of crime, particularly, you know, domestic violence, particularly. You know, you, you deal with an awful lot of domestic violence. Um, you have to spend time with them because that victim, sometimes you, you look at that victim and they're saying, no, I don't want to press the crime, I don't want to press charges, and they're really screaming, please get this man out of my house, mm. you know? And, 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 and that takes time. You know, you can't walk away from that. You can't do that over the phone. Mm. So you have to prioritise different crimes, you know, with the, with the limited resources that you've got. And it's very frustrating for managers. Very frustrating. I mean, how badly underfunded you, are the police services? You said it was dangerous. Could you give us some examples of... Well, it was it, well, like your, your example. You have, uh, it, but you've gone into those officers who are policing Black Lives Matter, they're policing, you know, anti-lockdown process. Every one of them could be reporting, uh, dealing with a victim of crime on their own boroughs. They're all just boroughs. It's not a, it's not a magic box of riot-strained officers who are going to go. They're often pulled away from locals, local stories. And the more of those that go on, the less resources there are to deal with burglaries and robberies and, and, and domestic violence victims and rape victims on, on a local basis. So it's totally responsible on both sets. I, mean, I don't agree with either of them, you know. It's totally responsible. They're dragging away resources. And then they'll be crying, crying. That police officer never turned up to a robbery. Or, or, or the fact that, you know, someone, someone's been beaten up by the husband and someone's called and it took 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes for them to get there because there's no one. You know, that's where it comes from. It's, in, uh, there's a, it's not an uh, endless box of police officers. There's a limited resource um, that is getting... Well, they're trying to expand it at the moment, but with with what we've been hit, our, our economy has been hit now. Mm. When's that going to happen? I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Mm. And, and what effect has lockdown had on the police? What challenges have they well, faced? There are some positive effects, lockdown in particular, because there's not many. There's not as many people getting burgled, for instance, because everyone's at home. There's not as many people getting robbed because there's not as many people out on the street. Well, not the last lockdown because I see a lot of people out on the street, mm. but those things. So you can move resources then. Yeah, lockdown is actually not too bad for the police because it means there are a lot of crimes go down in a lot of ways. I speak to regular officers regularly, and they say, "Yeah, well, that, that you know, burglaries have gone down, robberies have gone down, you know, car thefts gone down, but they, you know, that means they're freeing up. But we can't spend our lives locked in, can we? Really, that's not an ideal. That's not ideal, um, and the police don't want it either." So. Mm. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, actually, before we, you're winding up the beginning, but before we ask you our last question, uh, mm. I, I wanted to ask you, I think a lot of people, and I include myself on in this, there's bits of policing maybe I understand, because yeah. like firearms is something I've always been interested mm. in. You know, I've shot guns, yeah, yeah. play a lot of computer games, yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. So I have an idea. Yeah. I've done some research. But there's lots of other things I completely don't understand. Mm. And I think the public on many issues are also like that on mm -hmm. many things. So what do you think people don't know or misunderstand about what being a police officer is like or what, why police do certain things that they do? Is there a thing that you wish would you, if you could get across to everybody in the country that they don't know, what would it be? Well, they're just representatives of, 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 of you. <laughs> you know, they're just your son, your daughter, doing, trying to do a job. Yeah, they're not, they don't go to work to try and uh, victimise people so that they can make their lives harder. They don't go to work to shoot people so that they can be involved in endless inquests and make their, their, their lives horrible. They do go to work just generally to, you know, 
to get through the day, uh, to help as many people as they possibly can, and to, and to come home and earn a living. Um, but if I would say, I would say anything to the members of the public is take what politicians say with a huge pinch of salt. Mm. Yeah, because they don't often tell you the truth. And one more question, something we had uh, the Conservative comment. That was very Columbo of you, by the way. Just one more question. Just one more question. Yeah, yeah. Interrogation <laughs> yeah, yeah. going on. Uh, but we had uh, Peter Hitchens on the show. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. And he, he's quite critical of the fact that uh, police uh, no longer do as much beat policing as they used to. Yeah. Uh, you, can't, you can't. You're just running. You're firefighting. You haven't got time. You've got time to be walking around, um, you know, talking about... In them old days, you could do it. But there wasn't, there wasn't performance indicators then. There wasn't, there wasn't the limited... There wasn't the huge amount of crime reported over the phone and the computers. That's all accelerated and, and multiplied crime reporting. You had time to walk from street to street and you know where little Harry going to clip round here, I'll get him to his <laughs> mum. You ain't got time for that. You're just firefighting an awful lot. They're going from one call to another. I know. I've managed these teams, yeah? They're just going from one call to another. They haven't got time, sadly. They'd love to. Oh, if you said to a police officer, please stay in this road today and have a cup of tea with everyone on this road, they'd love it. You know, they would love it. But they haven't got time to do it, sadly, because the resources are so restricted. And <laughs> second time round. So, <laughs> what is the one thing that we're not talking about as a society, but we really should be? Oh wow! What are we talking? What are we not talking? I think, I think, I think the thing that we're not talking about is the fact that black parents and the black community have as much vested interest in the police as the white community. We're all. It's all as is important to all of us, every colour, that we have a, a vibrant and and useful police force that we back. No one wants to be a victim of crime, no, of any colour. And, and, and it all is, it, it, if you look at the media, it's as if every black person thinks the police are the enemy, and they, and they don't. Hmm. I know they don't. And it's disproportionately represented in the, police, in, the, in the media, I think. That makes a lot of sense. We do see a lot of that, don't we? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Chris, listen, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to follow, you, you know, you, you put your thoughts out on Twitter every yeah. now and again, yeah. where would you like people to go to they keep well, in touch with? Well, the, yeah, Trojan1963 on Twitter uh, oh, is, my, uh, is my handle. So, yeah, if they want to abuse me or... Uh, <laughs> please <laughs> feel free. I'm well, used to it. <laughs> no, I think our, your message actually will resonate with uh, a lot of people who okay. watch the show and they'll appreciate you coming on as, okay. as do I've, we. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. Thank it's you for been coming a pleasure. on. Cheers. And thank you for watching. We will see you very soon with another episode like this one uh, or a live stream. All of them go out 7pm UK time. Take care and see you soon, guys. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.